and um, it's, it starts leaking, and so we go and we buy this washing machine that was on clearance at Lowe's. And we, we buy this was, washing machine, and it was bad news from the start. Every time you put clothes in there, it would get off balance, and it would do the cycle over and over and over and over again. And it would just repeatedly do this till eventually I told Wendy, I said, this is not working. And to this day, LG is a curse word as, as far as I'm concerned. The brand LG is a curse word. And so I, I hated that washing machine. And when we moved, I was eager to get something different. And we did. But what I noticed was it was always stuck in the same cycle. And sometimes I would sit there and I would watch the, the timer go down to see where it's messing up, right? And I would watch that timer. I'm like, okay, we're getting close. It's doing it this time. It's going to, it's going to spin those things so they're dry enough that I can put them in the wash or the dryer and we can call it good. And next thing you know, it immediately go back to 19 minutes left from like two. And I'm like, you are killing me. And what I notice is the, the, that cycle that repeated over and over and over again, what I'm seeing with people is that we get in that same cycle over and over and over. And I want you to hear me out because I, I, think, I think I need to be clear on this. If that's you, you are not following Jesus the way he wants you to. There's a difference between knowing who Jesus is and knowing Jesus. And I, I want to be clear about that because Jesus, he, he really makes this distinction here today. And so I want us to capture what he's saying. We're at the end of John chapter 8. And we see that Jesus' ministry is taking this dramatic shift. We had been reading about his miracles and that the crowds are following him. And these people, they've been following him. They've seen the miracles. And they're, they're listening to his teachings. But as we discussed a little bit last week, they don't understand them. They don't understand what he's saying. So these people, they're gathered around him, and they start arguing over the semantics of what it is that Jesus is saying to the point where they were so mad at Jesus by the end of what we're going to read today that they were picking up stones, and they were ready to stone him. Jesus, he was arguing with them back and forth, and he kept saying, I'm telling the truth. I'm telling you the truth. And he repeatedly, he, he repeatedly had to defend that he was, he was saying truthful things. I got a question for you. Doesn't it annoy you when you have been completely honest with someone and they don't believe you? When you've been completely honest and it doesn't seem, whatever you say, they're, they're just, they just ignore your words of wisdom. Imagine giving someone a life-saving truth and they choose not to listen to your advice. Times where it may have been convenient for you to look at them afterward and say, I told you so. If anyone can identify with this, it's a parent, right? And we have many other examples in our life, but it's, it's, it's as a parent. I can think of how many times we with young children might have said, don't touch what's on the stove, it's hot. Now parents, what are they inevitably going to do? They're going to touch it, right? They're going to find out for themselves. And sometimes it seems like what we're saying is obvious, but they don't understand it. Jesus is having the same problems with these people. And he has proved his authenticity by the miracles that he has performed and, and that they, they should hear his words because he has authority that comes from God, yet they get lost in their understanding of God and the truth of what Jesus is teaching. So today, as we read, I, I don't want you to focus on the argument because this is a big passage of Scripture at the end of John chapter 8. And so what we're going to do is we're going to focus on the principle Jesus teaches after he says, I tell you the truth. Okay? So we're going to follow the principles that he's teaching after he says, I tell you the truth. Then today what we're going to do is we're going to take those principles and we're going to apply them. Does that sound good to all of you? That sound like a good plan. Okay, let's read. And I just want to say this message today, it's what I call a smorgasbord of truth. Pastor Morris, it is the best 
buffet that could possibly be in town. John chapter 8. I'm going to start at verse 31 through 38, then we're going to skip on. And uh, I'll tell you what verses as we go. 31 says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. Everyone say faithful. And you know, and, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean you will be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are free. Yes, I realize that you are descendants of Abraham, and yet some of you are trying to kill me because there's no room in your hearts for my message. I am telling you what I saw when I was with my father, but you are following the advice of your father. Let's skip on to verse 45, because they begin to argue here. Verse 45, it says, so when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Which of you can truthfully accuse me of sin? And since I am telling you the truth, why don't you believe me? Anyone who belongs to God listens gladly to the words of God. But you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Now skip on to verse 51. Jesus says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who obeys my teaching will never die. Skip on to verse 58 and 59. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, before Abraham was even born, I am. At that point, they picked up the stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them and left the temple. Let's pray. God, I just, I just thank you for these people that showed up today. And Lord, there are times I feel so inadequate, but God, your word teaches us. Your word builds us up. And so, Lord, for each and every ear that is in this audience today, God, I pray that we don't jump to conclusions, Lord, but we will seek to hear and understand exactly what your word teaches. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you were to read verses 31 all the way through verse 58, you are going to see a lot of arguing going on. You're going to see a lot of arguing between the Jewish leaders, the Pharisees, and Jesus Christ. And Jesus is, he's arguing with them over the fact that he is, he is pouring out what the kingdom of heaven is really like. He's telling them the very truth, the very things that they need to hear, and they're not hearing it. They're, they're picking up on the semantics of what he's saying, and they're trying to pick it apart. They're not hearing him. Five times, Jesus, in this whole section, five times he made the statement, I am telling you the truth. Four of those times, there, there, there were four principles that arose from his next statements of truth-telling. Every time he said, I'm telling you the truth. And the first time that we catch this is in verse 34 where he says, you're a slave to sin. You're a slave to sin. And I've got a question for you this morning. What are you in bondage to? What are you in bondage to? See, because I believe that without Jesus Christ, that we are in bondage to something inherently sinful. We're in bondage to something. It is determined to be sin by what God calls disobedience. So if we are to look in the Word of God, we are to find what it means to be disobedient to Him. He spells it out very clearly. Sin is laid out and it's defined in God's Word. And what God deems as sin, I want you to catch the second part, what God deems as sin doesn't change. Are you guys hearing me? What God deems as sin doesn't change. So even if it means that our culture is changing or the rules in churches are changing, God's standard for what is sin does not. You know, we're living in days where people feel liberated to do whatever they want, and I want to say that it doesn't change the truth that over a period of time, a lifestyle of sin will damage us in spirit. 
See, because there are people that, that once, once they entertain sin, they all of a sudden they feel liberated from their past problems and, and from the world. But the reality is, over the process of time and allowing that sin to become a part of who you are, it damages us spiritually. But God Himself does not change. God does not change. His grace remains available to those who want to turn away from their sin and choose Jesus. You know, we discussed last week that God set a standard with the Ten Commandments and the law. As we talked about God's law, that He has set this standard so so we could clearly understand His expectations for us. But beyond that, Once we get past just knowing what's right and wrong, when you choose Jesus Christ, He gifts us the presence of the Holy Spirit and He begins to speak to us during times of temptation and convict us when we have given in to that temptation. And when you and I give in to sin, it is going to weigh you down. It is going to weigh you down, it has an effect. It's not as innocent as it presents itself or as it seems. You know, I think one of the greatest illustrations of this was in the Roman times when you had someone who murdered another person. What they would do is they would shackle that body onto the murderer. And so they could never escape it. And so wherever they were, they were shackled to this body. And eventually, as you can imagine, I know this is grotesque, but this is real. As, as the flesh decomposed on them, they started to get sores. And then eventually, it started transferring to them. And the next thing you know, over the process of time, they also died. That's the effect of sin. That's the effect of sin. It is impossible to walk in this life without Christ and be sin-free. And and there's no chance that you can say, Pastor, I'm not prone to sin. You know, I've never had a problem sinning. Come on. Come on. These are natural desires of the flesh that begin in us at birth. Listen to what David says in Psalm 51.5. He says, for I was born a sinner. Yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. And you and I, as we open the door to sin, it births in us like a cancer. And if left unattended, it will only grow. It will only grow. So as believers, if we open the door to sin and we start to ignore the promptings of the Holy Spirit, if you are a believer in Christ and and you open the door to sin and, and you ignore those promptings for repentance, then what happens is over time you become desensitized to what the Holy Spirit is trying to do on you. And and the reason is, is because God is a gentleman. He knows when he's welcome and when he's not in your life. And he is going to recognize, okay, they're not interested in me right now. I'm going to draw back. I'm going to draw back. I'm going to turn them over to that sin. But you, if you are trapped in sin and you don't even feel feel anything anymore i know people that that they're in sin they don't feel anything anymore so they keep chasing the next high and and looking for something more meaningful and i gotta say it is because we by our actions have subconsciously pushed god out we have pushed god out that is the reason you don't feel anything anymore and i want to be clear about this this is a result of God's act, or, or our actions, not God's, okay? So this is a result of our actions, our decision-making. It's not that God did that, not that God made you do that. So any attempt to rid sin in your life without Jesus will just be you trading one bondage for another. You're going to be trading one bondage for another all the time. 
It is the very nature of Christ that when we choose to believe in his death and resurrection, that his sacrifice and his blood shed from that sacrifice, it washes away our sin. It cleanses us. And so when Jesus is trying to say, you are now free, that's exactly what he means. You are set free from that burden of sin. Now listen to 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. He says, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It is by Jesus' blood that the stain of sin is removed. You guys, I'm, I'm teaching foundational principles. Are you guys following me this morning? Okay, so here's the thing, and this is what I was wrestling with. I'm like, Aaron, do you say it to make it obvious, or do you just keep teaching? I want to tell you that some of you might say, boy, pastor, we have taught a lot of Christ through the book of John. How about the Old Testament? How about something different? And I got to tell you, we are teaching right now foundational truths that you should be able to know exactly who Jesus is and in turn leave here and be able to express that. Are you guys with me? Because I am telling you, the further of the gospel of Jesus Christ is on your shoulders. That could have got even more amens. It is because of Christ and his work that we can enter into the presence of God and be sealed for eternity. You and I. That's how, that's how the spirit of God shows up here. Right? That is how we witness the Spirit of God. It's because we are crying out for Jesus Christ and that, that sacrifice that He made for us, that His blood would cover us so that we could stand before the Lord worthy. But the challenge in people's hearts is yielding to God. Because when He speaks, it doesn't mean you're listening. Because that's the second place that Jesus said, I tell you the truth. In verses 46 and 47, he made it very clear that you're not hearing God. He said, anyone who belongs to God listens and gladly to the words of God, but you don't listen because you don't belong to God. Now, I know there is an art to listening. And you know, I, I think about this. Have you ever spoke to someone and realized they can hear you but they're not listening to what you're saying. Now, ladies, it is not appropriate to elbow your husbands right now. I'm telling you. This is not, this is not the time or place, okay? But, but Jesus is having that same battle with these people. They hear what Jesus is saying, but reacting without pondering and seeking understanding. You, so, so you hear what I'm saying. It's like they can hear the words that are coming out of his mouth, but they're thinking about their rebuttal right away. They're, they're reacting by his very words right away without saying, okay, okay, I, I don't get it. Please, under, uh, or, or please explain further. They're not doing that. You know, you and I do this too. When we have agendas, when we have conviction, when the Spirit of God is speaking and pride rises up, come on now. Listening is a learned trait. It's not just given into you by, at birth. Listening is a learned trait. We have to choose to wait and draw conclusions, understand the message that is being relayed to us before we respond. Check this out. Experts say that 10% of what we hear is retained, 20% of what is read, and 80% of what we see. Okay? So how do you think that makes me feel as a public speaker? Like, okay, I'll be happy if they get about 10% of this, because wow. Um, listening is challenging. Hearing people at the heart of what they're saying can be challenging. And if you and I, if we choose to listen and respond to what we've heard as truth, that becomes the foundation of our belief. I want to say that again because I, really I really want you to embrace this. 
if we choose to listen and respond to what we've heard as truth, that becomes the foundations of our belief. Matthew 7.24, listen to what Jesus says. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know, as you read the Word of God or, or the pastor presents the truth and the, the Holy Spirit then begins to quicken it to your heart or brings conviction, there is still one very important thing for us to do. To respond. To respond in action. Our response determines whether or not we have attentive ears. Because listening and responding displays that we're hearing the truth and we're abiding by the truth, okay? If you do that, that is obedience. That is obedience. And what Jesus teaches is that there are rewards for obedience. As he says the third time, I'm telling you the truth, he teaches a principle in verse 51 on obedience leads us to eternal life. So you and I, what we have to do, we have to decide to take steps of obedience. And, you know, we just determined that the steps of obedience are the foundations of faith and proof that you are listening. But what exactly do those steps look like for you? Because if you and I are saying, okay, I, I'm hearing what Jesus is saying. I need to respond now. I need to follow him. What do those steps look like? The first is evident that when Christ is revealed in your life, that you respond by removing sin. You guys hearing me? You remove that sin. So the things that lure you into those sin activities of your life, you are completely removing Men, I want to speak to you for a second. Today, 2021, it is easier to see things that cause you to lust than ever before. From the oldest generation to the youngest. In fact, there, there, there is, there's been ongoing battles in the Supreme Court about a lot of these uh, pornography websites no longer even having a check mark to whether or not you're 18. And I know that that's really not going to do anything for any young person that is, uh, that is looking. But I am telling you that it is more available than ever before, right? And so, man, I want to speak to you specifically. If you find yourself lusting after women on your phone or computer, there is, I, I'm telling you, there is a software out there that creates accountability for you and blocks those things so that you can avoid them. But better, one step further, if you can live without those electronics, you're better off. And I know that deep down you're like, but I need that. Well, you didn't need it 20 years ago, most likely, okay? Ladies, the same can be said to you in fighting off temptation. There are friends in your life that, that, that draw you into sin that has dominion over you. You need to remove them completely. It is not beneficial for you. Jesus made it clear in Matthew chapter 5. He made it abundantly clear that if your eye causes you to sin, he says you are better that you pluck it out. You're better that you remove it than find yourself sinning and sentenced to hell. Jesus spelled it right out there. And I know we hear this and we think, Pastor, that is, that's drastic. That's, that's really drastic. And you and I, at the same time, we can't fathom the eternal torment of hell. Jesus understood it. He understood it. So you and I, we must take big measures to remove sin in our life. We must take big drastic measures. 
The second thing, I, I shared the first thing. The second thing is that we are continually making ourselves better because we're all a work in progress. That is, that is a step of obedience. You have never attained, you have never reached this level where you're like, man, I'm good. I'm good for the rest of my life. Because the more you seek the Lord, the more that you're going to discover that you are not like Him, but you are being molded into His image. So if I ever have someone that says, man, you know, God's good. I, I feel like I've arrived. I feel like I've attained. I can immediately say, you're not seeking the Lord. Because it seems so evident to me. Because the more I draw unto God, the more I realize how imperfect I am. Pride tells us, church, pride tells us we've made it, or we're polished, or we've accomplished a lot, but humility reminds us that there was only one who was perfect, and we will never achieve Christ's accomplishments. To learn God's word, to learn what he asks of us, it takes a lifetime of study. And so for you to understand obedience is not doing what your heart tells you to do. You hearing me? Or what the pastor says or that guy you really like on TV or podcast that you listen to. But when you set your mind towards these things, we will find that God rewards us. So you just set your mind on Christ. You choose to study. You choose, choose to understand who God is and what he wants for you. And I guarantee what's going to start happening in your life, that the Holy Spirit, when you open the door to the Holy Spirit, he is going to reveal to you the things that need to change. And the really awesome thing about God, because, you guys, I'm a dumpster fire, really. But God looks at me, he says, Aaron, let's take care of this one thing. And we focus on the one thing. And then as I, as I begin to make steps of obedience and understand what that looks like in my life and, and removing those things, then God says, Hey, Aaron, you know how we just did this? Well, now, now we have this to work on. And it keeps going and going and going, and, and it, it doesn't change. But what I've found is that through that process, through going through that process of sanctification, that you are displaying your obedience to God, and obedience leads to eternity. That's what Jesus states, and he states it so clearly. This principle was set clear by God from the very beginning in the garden. Remember, God created man and woman, and he basically said, you can do whatever you want, just this, this one thing. Don't do this one thing. And what did they do? The one thing, right? The one thing he said not to do. And you know what? God further stipulated his expectations when he made the law. Think about this. The fifth commandment. The fifth commandment is the first commandment that is not directed towards our response to God. And it says, honor your father and mother. But there was a reward for that. Do you guys remember? So your days will be long on the earth, right? So we understand that God set this precedence from the first law he made that wasn't in direct response to him. He said, honor your father and mother so that your days might be long on the earth. Now, I, I, I encourage you to think about that for a minute. And that commandment, If that's our reward for obeying or honoring our mother and father, think about what your reward is for obeying your heavenly father and honoring your heavenly father. Because if God rewards our obedience to our parents, then he is going to overwhelmingly reward us for our obedience to him. God also, he made provision for you and I in our failures. Through Jesus Christ, and that you and I walking, trying to walk in a pattern modeled after Jesus Christ, you and I can be rewarded. And here's the thing 
I fully believe. God has given you the resources. He's given you all the resources you need that you might obtain eternal life with him. But it takes you making the choice. It takes you listening. Hearing what he's saying. You know, these truths, you might say, Pastor, these things are easy. These things should come naturally to the believer. And, you know, I, I agree. But yet then why are we seeing so much, so many people, they're like that LG washing machine <laughs> that are stuck in this repeated cycle. Because Jesus, his last time he says, I tell you the truth, he shares that his name's God's name. The name of Jesus is also God's name. He stated, the, the statement he made was the exact same title that God gave himself at Mount Sinai to Moses. Moses climbs Mount Sinai and he sees this burning bush and Moses asks for clarification of God's name so he could communicate which God exactly are we following. And God responded in Exodus 3.14. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. Let me tell you what God is really saying here. This is his way of saying all other gods that you guys have worshipped and you're being lured into worship right now, you, you, those that you have seen worshipped in Egypt, I am above them all. I am greater than every single one of them. I am supreme. I am the true one and only. That was what God was saying. So this is a bold statement made by Jesus Christ, but it is made in truth to attribute that name to himself. You know, to understand Jesus Christ and to understand that the, the, the truth that he is bringing and changing the world in, that he spans time from before creation and he sweeps beyond the present right now, into eternity. Jesus always been. Jesus always will be. And Jesus was with God from the very beginning. We can read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. It says, then God said, let us, everyone say us, let us make human beings in our image and be like us. That's who that's who Jesus is. He just came down to further reveal who God was, Amen. who he was. And we can trust each and everything that he says because it was passed on to him from the Father. Listen to what he says in John 12, 49. He says, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it. And what makes serving God now so special and trusting in Jesus is that in his ministry, he always pointed to the Father. I found that Jesus always pointed to the Father. And then Jesus also, later in John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, he promises that he is going to be going away and there's going to be this advocate that comes called the Holy Spirit. And the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit points to Christ. And you know what? God the Father also points to Christ. So during Christ's ministry, he's saying, no, 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 the Father, the Father, the Father. And now that Jesus has done exactly what he's done, God is now saying, honor my son. Honor my son. The Father and the Holy Spirit both esteem honor to him. Which makes Jesus Christ the perfect example for us and a source we can trust. You see, I'm telling you, you might be looking for the keys to your future. Maybe you're going to go pick up a certain pastor from Houston, Texas book in Walmart that tells you how to live a better life. Um, I honestly think 
the best thing you can do is accept the best future you can hold is in eternity, not what you can do here on the earth. And so when you set your mind on the things of eternity, you are going to see that God begins to change you. God wants to truly work on you to show you who you ought to be. Jesus holds your future. It's Jesus that holds your future. Now, you might be able to determine what you'll do and, and how you're going to live in this earth, but I am telling you, the I am has the final say, and he holds those keys to eternity. So it really doesn't matter what you do on this earth. You can be Bill Gates. Hey, good for you. You could be Elon Musk. Hey, go for it. But guess what? We are all going to be equal footing one day. We're all going to be equal footing, and it's going to be God that has the say. Jesus Christ, part of the I am, the name that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. You know, I choose to align myself with the one who has given his life for me. And that is by what makes me free. And I, I, I know that in order for me to get to that point where I could accept that, I had to be listening. And I couldn't respond out of my pride. I couldn't respond out of my ignorance because I didn't understand what was being said. I had to seek understanding so I could appropriately respond. And what I found was that I'm far from perfect. And the patterns of my life were only taking me to hell. And you know, hell was a terrible, it was a hard thing to grasp because one, I don't see it. I see the rewards for everyone here on earth and I'm thinking, I want that. But you know what? Those rewards are going to die with us. Those rewards. They don't carry on to in, into eternity. And so I have to choose. I have to choose to keep my eyes focused on him. And remember that the steps of obedience are me responding to what God is saying. And God is begging me to change. He's begging you to look to his son as the perfect example for our lives and trust and know that he is going to set us free. The, we got to keep our eyes on him. We can't get locked in to the world because the moment we do we are going to entertain sin and so right now what I want you to do I want every head in here to bow every eye to close because I want you to concentrate I want you to concentrate on your relationship with the Lord I want, to, I want you to concentrate on what the Holy Spirit is speaking because I believe there's a chance You have been in that rinse spin cycle over and over and over again. And you want to break those chains of bondage through Jesus Christ today. I'm going to encourage our prayer team to come forward right now. If you're on our prayer team, I'm letting you know that when one of you approaches them, there, there's going to be another person that comes along and prays with you today from our prayer team. And so if you're saying, Pastor, I need to break some cycles of sin today. I've had enough. I'm going to give you an opportunity here in a moment. But I want you to stand right now. We're going to sing. We're going to begin to sing this song. And as we sing, if that's you, and if you need prayer today, I'm going to ask you to come forward. But let's sing that. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression I speak Jesus 
that's you, if you need prayer, let's come down. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over fear and all anxiety to every soul held captive by depression I speak Jesus your name is power your name is healing your name is life break every stronghold shine through the shadows One more chance if you need to break some bonds this morning come forward i just want to speak the name of jesus over every heart and every mind because i know there is peace within your presence i speak jesus i just want Speak the name of Jesus till every dark addiction starts to break. Declaring there is hope and there is freedom. I speak Jesus. Your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is love.
God is here. He's in His presence. He's touching hearts. He's touching souls. But He has given me a word because there is someone here that He says it's weak. They're weak. Weak in their spirit. Weak in their heart. And He wants you to come forward because He wants to make you strong. He wants you to take you out of that weakness and into his strength, into his glory, into his mighty power that you cannot do on your own, but only God can do. He said, don't suffer anymore, you weakness. Come forward and let that bond be broke. that is you today, if you need prayer, if you need prayer for strength that comes from, comes from God, come down. Let's see the Holy Spirit overcome this issue. Let's seek Him this morning.
Give God a hand clap of praise this morning, church. You know, I think, I think that that song is a good theme for, for John and, and uh, the, the truth that it brings. Because I'm telling you, the, the first time I ever stepped out was the most terrifying thing of my life, right? Stepping out to come to the altar, but it was also the most freeing. It was the most rewarding. And so I'm telling you, God wants us to, in obedience, in response, take action. Show that we've been listening. And prove to Him by our obedience that we trust His Son. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You. For this day, God, I thank You for each and every person that came here. And Lord, this this year, as we have marked, this is the year of evangelism. Lord, this is the year of telling others about You. Lord, bringing people into the fold so that they can come to know You, Father. I pray that our hearts be set on, God, reaching a world that desperately is seeking for truth. Lord, as Your Son spoke many times today, I'm telling the truth. God, I pray that our hearts and minds be set to speak to the truth of Jesus Christ. Lord, that we will bring this hope that is inside of us to a world, God, that is searching for answers. I praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Church, God bless. Have a great Sunday.